Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're talking about animal sentience. Nick, why are we talking about animal sentience? There's just recently been a vote in the British House of Commons um, about whether or not we should adopt into law an article of the Lisbon Treaty, which basically says that animals are sentient and that we we should, uh, as as a result of that, um, protect them from various uh, harms that, you know, they should be free from hunger and thirst, pain, injury and disease and fear and distress and so on. And uh, and and they uh, they voted not not to incorporate that into UK law. Anyway, this this created a kind of press and popular furore uh, because it, you know the, the the allegation was that this meant MPs thought animals weren't sentient and that we could therefore you know go back to bear baiting and cockfighting. Um, the truth is uh, very far removed from that. Um, so the well, it, this is sort of related to Brexit. It was essentially this adding is to do with whether or not we want to adopt the Lisbon Treaty uh, uh, law into UK law, you know, a, a mere year or two before we're about to leave the EU. Um, and and we the MPs said they didn't. In fact, the UK has some has very restrictive uh, animal welfare laws. Um, we've got the Animal Welfare Act of 2006, which uh, tells you all about what an animal is, what a domesticated animal is, what protected animals are, what you're allowed to do with them. It, it, but it doesn't use the term sentient, that's all. So it really comes down to this issue of... So the U- UK law doesn't tell you whether animals are sentient. It just tells you how to treat them. <clears throat> I would say that that's better. Um, UK law also doesn't say that humans are sentient anywhere. Uh, it, it, none of that's completely irrelevant. It tells you how you're allowed to behave, and I think so. I think in this particular instance, um, this was a completely made up uh, controversy because actually Britain is uh, we've got we've got we're in the according to at least one organisation the the top four um, countries for animal welfare in the world anyway. And so, sorry, in this new law, um, did they use the word sentient then? So the the Lisbon Treaty says uh, that animals are sentient, and that therefore. So it doesn't say some animals. It doesn't differentiate between an ant or a jellyfish or a cow or a chimp. It just says animals are sentient and therefore we should be nice to them. Whereas the uh, the, the Animal Welfare Act, the British Animal Welfare Act, uh, says there is. it basically defines a protected animal as one that is generally domesticated. It doesn't list them. It just says if you've got a generally domesticated animal and it's in your care, then you have to you know be nice to it. Mm. Essentially, is what it says. Oh, so it does sound rather sloppy and sort of rather broad. Oh, it's. I, I to yeah. be honest, this is sort of the worst excesses of sort of European rationalism. It's a big theory. Animals yeah. are sentient. What are you sure? Well, thank you know, God. And, and if thank you God actually, if, if, yeah, well, quite. And I, and I think that's the problem with the debate is it's it's become swept up in the Brexit debate, and therefore um, it's being conflated with lots of other issues and there's political advantage to um, completely misconstruing what the law's about. Uh, but um, in essence, it it does um, cloud what is quite an interesting uh, debate, which is, um, you know, 
what is sentience, how do we measure it, and how should we treat things which we regard as being sentient? Yeah, because it's worth saying that this sentience clause has absolutely no legal ramifications. It's not as if if we accept that they're sentient, that changes anything we're allowed to do. Um, it is merely a word, uh, so and, you know and, it doesn't have doesn't actually have a legal implication. And and, and in this sort of uh, uh, the, uh, the what's called the EU Animal Sentience Protocol, uh, which is this particular sort of part of the the, the legislation, uh, what it what it describes um, is effectively an animal's ability to suffer or f- or feel pain or ex- experience. Things uh, and it, um, you know, other EU legislation talks about sort of freedom from um, five particular things. You know, the, the, the freedom from um, needing to suffer pain or harm, uh, freedom to um, live a sort of fairly natural life, and so on and so forth. Um, but in essence, it doesn't really go that much into what. Um, what sentience is so um can you answer that question in fact go back and answer a couple of questions you raised which is you said that this clouds the debate about um well what is sentience um and i, th- I think you had a second thing you said and the third thing is and how should we treat sentient beings along those lines so can you answer those questions or or start to answer them yeah so i so i think uh in terms of um whatever our definition of sentience is i think we can all agree that with current technologies uh it, our measurement of it is is decidedly imperfect so um y- you know whatever we decide sentience is it's going to be very difficult for us to measure it and prove that something is is sentient so the first thing is we need to err on the side of of caution um and if we decide that it is right to treat sentient uh beings in a particular way uh we need to be broad in our definition of that uh, of sentience because um we know we can't definitely say whether something is is sentient or not well sorry but that's sort of talking about measurement um but can we start off by trying to answer then what is, can we just do the easy bit first yeah. right which is we are broadly law uh britain in as far as you know british the approach that we tend to take when we think about laws and the way that we enforce them is basically utilitarian so, I mean, we, utilitarianism has kind of won the ethics debate, more or less, with a few exceptions, which means that if you can prove something is feeling pain um, or, you know, perhaps more broadly, that things have a kind of certain set of desires that you can either assist or thwart, then they ought to be considered when when you're making judgments about what we ought to do. So it's kind of the link between that's the link between, you know, how we ought to behave and whether or not animals are sentient. Um that's the easy bit which we can probably draw a line under i think the difficult bit is what do we mean by sentience and and how and and even if we could answer that how could we actually verify whether or not something is sentient so let's have a crack at that yeah well i mean it's only the hardest debate in philosophy uh for the last two thousand well, years this is so, a cognitive engineering podcast that's a good point you know, <laughs> if we yeah, can't do we'll it we'll just solve it in 20 minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, there's no point having it as a topic if we can't. Well, have let's a go. start. With, we can start with a sort of thought experiment, really, which is the philosophical zombie, as it's known. Uh, let's let's just say that we know, we sort of think humans are sentient, right? No one's having a debate about that. But what do we actually mean by that? Now, is it possible that you could have a person who behaved exactly like they did? Like, take you. Like you, exactly like you are now, and behaving exactly like you are now, but without any sentience, without consciousness. You're literally like a machine behaving like Fraser. Um, 
now the, the two sort of strands of argument is one is uh, uh, y- yes that's perfectly possible but we just think it isn't true um, or the other thing is no that isn't possible because of some physical reason um, so in other words we, we just think that in order to have something as complex as you you have to have consciousness at the same time uh, and and then you know there's also in theory could be a third strand where you say no, it's not logically possible to have someone who behaved like you and wasn't conscious but I, I think that's probably not it's difficult to argue but uh, so um yeah so that's the question is philosophical zombies can they exist so can are could animals be philosophical zombies could they be behaving like they are uh, but without any consciousness or sentience and how would we know and not only that uh you know could could animals do it but also could um uh could inorganic things uh, uh, do that and i i think that's um that's probably the much well not the much more pertinent question but but is certainly going to be an increasingly pertinent we're talking question. about ai here. we're talking about ai yes and and you know what they are almost certainly going to be extremely good at is uh the um the zombie sentience that uh that that you know nick was was talking about and the um the interesting philosophical issue is whether or not they'll achieve some sense of true true sentience you know they'll, de- they'll definitely be able to ape our behavior uh, extremely well and convince us that they are sentient but will they be sentient well not let's not necessarily ape our behavior let's let's say they'll be able to behave intelligently yes let's say more intelligently than us um and the question is whether or not now it seems to me that you can have intelligence without consciousness. This is a, a sort of so the, re- the reason right, and the reason the reason yes. that I'd sort of contend that is that you can make artificial intelligence, uh, you can make artificial intelligence out of really unsentient things. So if we take something like AlphaGo, which uh, we refer to a lot, it's a good example of a recent, uh, you know, it's highly successful artificial intelligence, um, and uh, you know it's very good in a in a certain domain, which is playing Go. Although it looks a bit like there's an analogy with a human because it's a machine, it's a computer and it has what we can think of as a brain. It's got a chip which is processing information. It's got a memory. It's got sensors. It, you know, in fact, you could represent AlphaGo in theory with a very big lookup table. You could publish a really, really big table showing all the different board positions and uh, what you do when when you're in when you're in that board position. Uh, it would be bigger than the universe, so we, you know, we can't, in fact, but we could in theory, and that would behave exactly like AlphaGo does. Now, would that book be sentient? I think, I think I'd want to say no. Um, and, and and just moving and just sort of approaching this from a different way, from a different angle. Um, one of the things we um, we were starting to talk about there was, well, what is human sentience and what is what is animal sentience as well? Does it make any sense to ask? those kind of questions or, or does, well, it, does it well, make any I, sense to differentiate humans from animals or well, is that what the defining is difference is meant to well, be well i mean you know you could take the the sort of bentham position which is that actually um you know a fully grown adult uh, horse or dog is more sentient than an infant child uh, for example and so therefore actually we do overlap on some some sort of spectrum um but i think you know the 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 key point kind of um you, you know uh picking up on on nick's thoughts there about this distinction between sapience you know the ability to think and reason and uh sentience the ability to um experience to think what is it like to do do something uh is quite in, in, important um and 
you know what we what we have to make sure we um, we don't do is conf- conflate the two and and um, ascribe sentience to something that is in fact merely sapient. Yeah, although unless you try to construct an argument that <clears throat> sapience at a sufficiently high level implies sentience for some physical reason. So you know that that actually, if you instantiate sapience, so if you have, so you know, this would be akin to arguing, for example, that humans are human consciousness merely just is the ability to uh, take on board lots of information, process it, to have certain objectives that we want to achieve, and to attempt to achieve them, and and to have some sense of them being more or less achieved and being frustrated is simply just the not being able to achieve your objectives and it might be possible to make an argument along those lines to say no once you have all those things you have consciousness by definition um but uh, you know the I, I think that that would be an empirical claim and if you look at the ways that people have proposed measuring consciousness they are all they all rest on a certain kind of empirical claims uh, uh, so in other words you know looking at ph- physiological things have you got pain receptors um you know that have we uh, then evolutionary arguments well if we if we've evolved in an environment to avoid predators and to avoid physical pain then you'd expect us to have you know evolved the ability to experience pain and and that, but all of those rest on rest on an assumption that we have identified that pain just is or suffering just is some kind of neurological activity and and it you know but it could pain exist in other forms could it be instantiated um, uh, electronically or artificially could we create an artificial pain box which just consists of a consciousness experiencing pain and if we could would it be wrong to do so <laughs> or would it be fun <laughs> could you make thousands of them and make the world an immeasurably worse place <laughs> um, but but you know the, this these kinds of uh, uh you know thought experiments are what science fiction has been exploring for 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 decades and you know um you look at novels like uh, do androids dream of electric sheep uh you know and fundamental to that um uh, to, to what that novel explores is th- that very question if you if you build up a certain level of sapience does that imply uh sentience and you know um that the whole ethical dilemma of uh uh you know rick deckard who is having to go out and effectively test for uh sentience now he he does that uh, he does that uh indirectly through measuring androids uh sort of empathy levels and and you know it's it's supposed that um they don't they're unable to empathize because they perhaps don't have sentience and can't imagine another creature having sentience um but you know he he then um you know he then must execute these things and and is having to view them therefore as something that isn't uh, isn't sentient, and so that novel plays around very cleverly with this uh, this idea that sentience is a human construct. We are biased in our our view of what it is. We ascribe it to ourselves, but we we suffer from speciesism. You know, we um, uh, hence the fact you know our treatment of animals over over the past has. Um, you know, possibly been different to our treatment of, of humans. Yeah, and I think if you look at the, um, you know, what what the the probably the the, the first real paper in artificial intelligence, which was Alan Turing's Can Machines Think, uh, certainly one of the most influential papers ever written. Um, that's where he proposed the Turing test, which basically just smashes through all this discussion and says, okay, look, let's just agree that we will agree that machines. Uh, think if a machine could fool someone into thinking it was a human, mm. uh, and I th- and I think you know to sort of bring it back to the question of 
quite apart from philosophically what we might think consciousness is legally if we have to have something that's uh that's measurable which you do you know it's a bit like we we don't you know actually what we want is for people to be able to vote when they're old enough and mature enough to be able to make sensible decisions but but we can't write that into law so we just say we've got to be 18 likewise i think we we should expect to see laws about animals but also in future about machines um having having something like that uh, something like a turing test so um I mean, you know, there's a test for animal self-awareness, for example, and, and I don't think we should think self-awareness is necessarily the same as consciousness, but it's quite a clever one, which is where you take an animal, you put it in front of the mirror, and then you put a, bl- a smudge of, like, dirt on its forehead. And if it tries to remove the dirt from its own forehead, you know that it's worked out, that, that it's the thing in the mirror. So, I mean, you know, tests like that are very useful because they, they either are uh, pass or fail. You know, they don't require a vast amount of judgment. Um, look, we're going to have to uh, finish there, but um, I enjoyed that. Um, we were just starting to get somewhere, I feel. Um, I just want to round and, things off. And that's up. why we're going to stop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. Um, but I just want to round things off with t- by talking about a cartoon. I don't, yeah. know how, I don't know how relevant to our discussion this is. But um, you know the cartoonist uh, Gary Larson? The far side guy. The far side guy. And who hasn't, I don't know, I hope he's still alive, but he's not been doing anything for about 20 years or so. Anyway. Um, one of my favourite cartoons of his is the scene is um, a, a city in chaos from and you're looking at traffic and actually all the traffic is streaming out of the city as you might imagine there's a mushroom cloud over the city in the background and what you've got one what the focus of the cartoon is there's one dog looking out of a car window looking at another dog and they're both wagging their tails and there's something about that I just I just rather like the sort of recognition of a dog knows a dog definitely knows what another dog is um even if he doesn't know what he he that he, he or she himself is a dog but he definitely recognizes another dog and that's all that matters you know um, you're, you're and you're a dog guy aren't you i am a dog, a dog guy yeah 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 and i mean on I, another level you know perhaps there's something there about actually you know the wisdom of of animals as opposed to humans having just um obliterated themselves yeah it's quite a nice, fluffy, um, unusually fluffy remark from yourself, Chris. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to stop there. Uh, so I'm Fraser McGrew, being here with Chris Rag and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Thank you, as always, to listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Until next time, goodbye. I'm off to have a dog sandwich. Mm-hmm.